Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories that prove that truth can be stranger than fiction. In today's episode, entitled Hole in One, I take part in one of the weirdest, wackiest, and most miraculous games of golf ever played. The story you're about to hear happened almost 50 years ago on the Highland Lynx Golf Course in Truro, Massachusetts. The Lynx has long since been renovated and is now a proper and well-maintained golf course, one of the best on Cape Cod. Hole in One My friend Dan and I are pulled from the back end of a line of golfers waiting to tee off. We're shepherded to the front of the line to make a foursome with Bruce and Jonathan, two lawyers who were downed from a big Boston law firm. They are perfectly dressed in the golf attire of the day, with brightly colored pants, bold print shirts, and expensive-looking blazers. Their golf spikes are brown leather with tassels, and they're standing alongside the latest in golf equipment. When they look the two of us up and down, they are visibly unimpressed. Dressed in T-shirts and sneakers, with our long hair hanging down, carrying old, skinny, tattered, and faded plaid golf bags, Mine has even been duct-taped in places. Their lips seem to curl in disbelief. They have a whispered conference where they are no doubt considering rejecting the matchup when the man overseeing the tee-off area addresses them. Gentlemen, please tee off. The previous players are already well ahead of you. The lawyers don't look happy at all. Nonetheless, one of them suggests that Dan and I tee off first, at which point I defer to Dan. He steps forward and tees up his once-white golf ball, so old now that it's a pale yellow. After a couple of stiff practice swings, he addresses the ball, wagging the head of his club way too many times out of sheer nerves. Then he raises it high and takes a mighty swing. His ball remains on the tee, but what looks like a brown bird flutters down the fairway. The flying object, not a bird at all, but the head of his ancient wooden driver, which has broken off. Part of the shaft is spinning around, making it look just like a bird in flight. Everyone online laughs, but not our new golf partners. And so begins our epic matchup. My friend Dan and I are exceptionally bad golfers, maybe because we only play nine holes of golf once a year. Before we go to the chosen course, we play around to miniature golf and visit a driving range to tune up our games. Once we're on the course, he spots me 10 strokes, which is about the right handicap since the winds go back and forth between us over the years. The stakes are the interesting part. Dinner at a restaurant of the winner's choice, where we both strive to make our victory dinner as expensive as possible. $850 is the standing record. The year is 1976, and today we're playing at the Highland Lynx in Truro, Massachusetts, on Cape Cod. Their brochure proudly boasts the unique golfing experience 
in the middle of the Cape Cod National Seashore under the guidance of the National Park Service. They've spelled national, starting with the lowercase letters N-A-T, then a double-sized capital U, and then lowercase N-A-L. So it's pronounced Nash-U-N-A-L. Very cute. Also, their grammar and punctuation is all over the map. Maybe it's a Scottish thing. The chorus is completely unique. Founded in 1892 and modeled after the Scottish lynx on the windy seaside cliffs of Scotland, it, too, sits atop a high, windswept series of sand bluffs overlooking the deep blue North Atlantic. The nine-hole course parallels the sea, meandering through the sand dunes, tall, dried seagrass, and scrubby, stunted pines. You can feel the chill winds from the cold waters below that sweep across the course, feeling brisk even in midsummer. The exceptionally tall, white, and picturesque Turo Lighthouse is also visible from all the holes. Upon closer inspection, though, the links have the look and feel of a golf course that has seen better days. The clubhouse needs a coat of paint, the greens are parched and spotty in places, the golf carts are rusty with threadbare cushions, and the unraked sand traps harbor windblown debris of all sorts. Returning to our story, we're now back where we started from. Dan's mishap at the first tee, which we call the bird, is over. His second tee shot is relatively straight, but still a short shot. I follow Dan with a couple of slices, my balls disappearing forever into the deep scrub of overgrown bushes and pines adjacent to the course. I don't even think about retrieving them. Then I duff another one, almost as far as Dan's short shot. Next up, both lawyers hit long, straight drives down the middle of the fairway and head off on their golf cart without even looking back. Dan and I race to our balls so that we won't hold them back. At this point, the lawyers have both put a ball on the green, but stay on their golf cart where they are, gesturing for us to play through. Dan's meager drive is well short of them, but mine, miracle of miracles, really takes off, and before I can yell four, it bounces off the rear end of their cart. The wind is right, so I can hear a loud boing as it strikes. In the distance, I think I can see Bruce give us the finger, held high and long. They seem a little gun-shy now when we both chip up onto the green, but there are no more mishaps on the first hole. After we putt out, Bruce asks our scores, and I'm embarrassed to report a nine. I don't dare ask for a double mulligan, or even a single one. Dan tells him with a smile, I hit an eight, which includes the bird. Bruce doesn't return his smile, but instead shakes his head from side to side in disgust. Bruce and Jonathan tee off first this time and drive off in their cart so they don't witness our next stunt. It's as if we're masters of the golf fuck-up. We accomplish things that quite possibly may never have been done before in the game. This one is mine. The tee area is a little muddy from runoff, so when I hit the ball, it disappears. When I look around to see where it's headed, because I topped it, the ball has been driven down deep into the mud. While it spins at high speed, it meets up with the tee, which has been driven down as well, which makes it shoot straight up out of the hole, rising well above our heads, then it plops back down precisely into the hole that it just emerged from. This is really some kind of dark golf magic, and Dan and I are doubled up with laughter. After another couple holes, 
we've lost all of our faded yellowing balls, which because of their color are perfectly camouflaged to disappear in the sandy soil while still in plain sight. We ask our partners to borrow a couple balls, promising to replace them with new ones from the pro shop after the match. They have a little conference and each give us three balls, which is most probably the smallest number we'll need. I've noticed that Bruce vigorously washes his balls in the little ball wash machine on a post by each of the tees. He not only washes them and dries them thoroughly on the towel hanging on the machine, but then he further cleans them with a small towel from his golf bag. So our least favorite lawyer on the planet may also be a little OCD. Our next caper is also a miracle of trajectory. We're teeing off on the seventh hole, alongside a road which has a good-sized metal traffic sign on a pole next to it. Dan drives the ball hard but low. It hits the sign, ricochets over to a tree, and then comes straight back at us. Luckily, Jonathan, who has pretty fast reaction time, ducks, and the ball just misses him. Jonathan, Dan, and I then crack up laughing. Only Bruce doesn't find any humor in the moment. I whisper to Dan, It's a shame the ball didn't hit Bruce right between the eyes. On the eighth hole, I slice the ball so severely that its trajectory is at least 90 degrees off course, and it flies over the green of the adjoining ninth hole. It then sails over the chain-link fence that separates the golf course from the visitor's parking lot at Churro Light. At this point, our whole foursome yells, Four! and my ball takes a hard bounce on the macadam pavement, scattering the tourists, then bounces on top of the bus and ends up in the scrub beyond the light. Dan and I turn away from the tourists, who might see us laughing. Bruce, of course, isn't laughing, and for the first time, he buries his face in his hands. Finally, we're at the last hole, and miraculously, we haven't done bodily harm to anyone along the way. The lawyers get on the green in one and then putt out, Dan and I drive onto the green in one as well, which we're both very proud of, but the lawyers are not even watching. When we get onto the green, I can't find my ball anywhere, and Jonathan is gracious enough to help Dan and I search for it. We look everywhere surrounding the green, with no luck. Finally, Dan goes over to the hole, just in the off chance that my ball is in the hole next to the flagpole. And sure enough, there it is, a hole in one. I victory dance around the green yelling, Hole in one! Hole in one! Popping wildly and then waving my arms. Dan joins the celebration and even Jonathan looks pleased. As you might guess, Bruce marches off to the clubhouse, muttering something about, where's the justice in all this? As Jonathan, Dan, and myself near the clubhouse, I say to Jonathan, come on, at least let us buy you guys a couple drinks to cover the pain and suffering you've had to endure. Jonathan responds, sure. Let's do it, and he heads over to invite Bruce to join us. He's sitting in his Cadillac, waiting to leave. Jonathan comes back alone, telling us, no, he's definitely done for the day. Sorry about that. In the bar, I order a bottle of their best champagne, which, judging by its price, isn't a very good one. Then the three of us raise our glasses and toast to a hole-in-one. Before our second toast, I ask Jonathan, what's Bruce's drink of choice? He responds, he's a Manhattan guy. So I go over to the bartender and convince him to make me a double Manhattan in a plastic cup, even though it's against the clubhouse rules to take alcohol out of the building. Now that I'm a little tipsy on the champagne, 
and while we're waiting for the Manhattans to go, I decide to tell Dan and Jonathan a golf joke. Okay, so God, Jesus, and Moses are playing golf. God tees off first and slices into the woods. Then a squirrel picks up his ball and runs away. But a hawk grabs the squirrel with a ball in his mouth, and while flying over the green, the squirrel drops the ball for a hole-in-one. At which point, Moses says to God, Are you going to fuck around, or are you going to play golf? Dan and Jonathan chuckle, and Dan says, Very apropos. We decide not to join Jonathan in delivering Bruce's drink, and we all shake hands goodbye outside the clubhouse. As we drive away through the Turo dunes, Dan and I marvel that we hadn't actually hurt anyone. After all our near misses, we decide that for the sake of golfers all over the planet, the best course of action is for us to quit while we're ahead and give up the game of golf for good. That was my very last game of golf, although Dan went on to become a pretty decent player. Because it was impossible to decide who was in fact today's winner, and also it was going to be the end of an era, we decide to split tonight's check for dinner. The Compulsive Storyteller is written and narrated by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kokoma, who's also made our theme song. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And also, if you could leave a review, that would be fantastic. Follow the show on Instagram, at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more information at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening. And if you don't like this one, the next one will be another story. The characters and events portrayed in this podcast are based on my truth, with some names and facts changed for privacy. All conversations and dialogues are based on my best memory, but are not word-for-word recreations.